Hey, thank you very much. And um, I don't know, what, how would you like me to address you? Sam, Dr. How do you say your last name exactly? I don't want to mess it up. It looks kind of Spanish a little bit. I speak hablo espanol, but I'm not sure. So tell me about it. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Portuguese, Madeira. Okay. Is, Got it. That's how I say it. I don't speak Portuguese, though. But um, <laughs> Got Dr., it. Dr. Sam is fine. Okay. Podcast. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Dr. Sam, thanks for joining me. And, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. Let me, let me get some introductions out of the way. So welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Shane Needham. I have Dr. Sam on my show this morning, and he is actually a functional medicine doctor. For those that you don't know what that is, um, we'll be talking about that. I think it's very important. And I think it's really the future of medicine for sure. Again, welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Shane Needham. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. You can also find previous podcasts from the last over the last year for on all the all the places you can find podcasts you can find them on SoundCloud you can find them on YouTube you can find them on on, on Spotify and all those places just google search Dr Dr Shane Needham Secrets of Success podcast and you'll find them there where we talk about all kinds of topics from health to science I'm a scientist I own a own a pharmaceutical testing laboratory and I am a, an analytical chemist I have a PhD in chemistry and I love what I do I I love owning a business I love being an entrepreneur and we'll talk more about that. So we talk about science, but we talk about health. We talk about, on, on the side, I do bodybuilding. I do powerlifting. I also love nutritional medicine. Uh, relationships are important. And so, so many cool things. And, and speaking of business, business is great in all throughout my life. Um, right now, my personal life is at an all-time high. I want to tell a functional medicine doctor the good things here. Um, so I have always been a pretty clean eater for the last when I learned more about paleo for the last 12 years, I've also been a always moved, you know, I've always liked lifting weights. So you've got movement, you've got eating or what we ingest. And then over the last two years, I've have had some of the most amazing relationships I've ever had in my life. And that's another of the prongs, right? Well, over the last, because of those relationships now, those great relationships. And um, I now for the first time ever, Dr. Sam, really focus on my sleep. And at the age of 50 years old, I, I wear an aura ring. I don't have it on right now, but um, it, it's amazing the difference it makes for me, the, the recovery, the things I'm able to do, my mental clarity, my emotional clarity. It's awesome. So, and as far as business-wise, big news coming on so many fronts. Stay tuned. Um, Lots of new developments in the business area. So stay tuned on that and in my personal life as well. And I, and I try to share um, as much as I can on social media because here's – I know there's some people that say, oh, keep your personal life private. Keep your business life private. I know sometimes by sharing that information, it helps other people. And that's why I have Dr. Sam on here. We're going to be talking about some potentially controversial subjects today on men's health, how it affects everybody. We're going to actually have a – um, this is part one of part two series, men's health and everybody's health, by the way. I don't care if it's women. I'm not being sexist here. I don't care if it's women's health or men's health. If one of those is affected negatively, it affects our whole population negatively. So I saw some of his data recently on men's health, and we're going to be talking about that. And so, and of course, our theme is never be outworked. Dr. Sam has a great story. We're going to hear about some of those 
uh, trials and tribulations to successes as well for him. So Dr. Sam, how I usually start out is I like to discuss how how we met. And I'm not really sure, but thank goodness for social media. That's how we met. But tell me your story of how we met. Uh, I think we met through your brother, Shane. Um, yeah. I met Shane through a friend in Montana who's a compound yeah. pharmacist. Well, I'm Shane. And He's Sean. Oh, sorry, Sean. Um, <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the twins, right? Yeah. Right. So right. um, I met Sean, I think, two or three years ago now. And he had me on his podcast. I had him on my podcast twice um, to talk about his book and also talk about the transcrotal cream research that you guys did together. Sure. Um, yeah. Which I think has changed testosterone therapy for a lot of practitioners like myself because I love a lot of, Yeah. So wow. I, I thank you guys for doing that. And I think it would be cool to do another one, another experiment. I agree with you. And I've got some ideas there. Let's talk about that later. We certainly can yeah. um, about where it's absorbed, how much we can absorb, those kind of things. I think it'd be really, really cool. And as a scientist, I fully support that. So we can yeah. talk about that. And so I think and then we just somehow connected on Instagram or something then, right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a lot of your, uh, your posts with your sons hunting and uh, yeah. doing a lot of cool stuff, which I wish all dads did with their kids. And uh, I thought that was really cool and impressive. And then um, I saw that you were weightlifting a lot and I'm always recommending my patients exercise, first of all, but weight train um, to keep on muscle mass as they age and increase, you know, probability of optimal bone mineral density as they age, which a lot of guys, you know, they're like, bone health isn't that sexy, right? Like no one's thinking about bone health. But as I was just talking to a prospective patient before this podcast, uh, one thing about testosterone therapy is after a year on testosterone therapy, the data shows that it actually helps your bone mineral density. So it's, you know, it's pretty awesome. And then by progressive, by um, resistance training, it's only going to help that even more. Exactly. So yeah, together, awesome. together, yeah. it's, a, it's a good thing. And, um, uh, a lot of people may not know that uh, osteoporosis, if it's severe enough and you're an older male or potentially even you know middle aged and you fracture your hip and you have other health problems, uh, there, there's a, a sharp uh, decrease in mortality after a hip fracture. So for men and women, and oftentimes in medicine, just to kind of zoom out a little bit, we talk about medicine and specialties and silos. And one thing that naturopathic medicine and functional medicine does is we look at how all your body systems are interconnected. So when I'm talking about hormones, I'm thinking about receptors for your hormones on your, uh, in your bones, you know, in your heart, in your brain, uh, in your muscle tissue and, uh, testosterone therapy for, for men and women is going to improve their heart health, their brain health, uh, obviously, lean muscle mass is what most people are after. Uh, libido, sexual performance, if that's an issue too. I mean, for some people, the only symptom they have is, hey, I don't have as much lean muscle mass or I'm not as strong as I used to be maybe t only two years ago in the gym. And yeah. a lot that also the other surprising thing that I see clinically over the years that I've been doing this is that most people that come and see me, men and women, they're right around 38, 40. They're not 
65, they're not 70, they're not even 50 a lot of the time. Sometimes they are, but people are coming in younger and younger. And I've even had male patients in the last year that are 20, 22, 25, 30, with lower testosterone than some of the mostly healthy 45-year-old, 50-year-olds. So that's the epidemic that we're in. That's the that's the uh, low T epidemic. And if you, if people, if the listeners like research, you can go on um, Google Scholar or PubMed, and you can search the Massachusetts aging study from the 80s and the 90s, and you can see the testosterone dropping. And then there's a research that came out recently that I that you saw um, that I posted. I think last month. Um, we're almost in June now, so it's probably April on Instagram. And that abstract, that research said that they did a large, uh, a large population study of men from 1997 or 99, roughly late 90s, basically, to around 2014. And they showed a 20% drop in testosterone in that time period. And then um, I just, I I don't remember the details. What was the age group of that study? Um, It was pretty broad. So I, I believe, I mean, I could probably pull it up or, or get you the exact study to share in the show notes with people so we can have the, the exact data. But usually these large NHANES like studies are, um, this one was men in their 20s to older. So, uh, and, the, and they've done other large NHANES studies with testosterone and sleep, because you were talking about sleep and improving your health. Uh, they did a, a very large NHANES study with almost 10,000 men age, I think it was 17 to 69. And they showed that more than aging, because everybody says, oh, that's that's that old man tea or what like I've heard some friends of friends say, right? I'm like, ah, it's actually, you know, you could be 35 or 30 and need to be on testosterone therapy or something like Clomid or Enclomiphene. For, long, for maybe the rest of your life, if there's been a lot of things to decrease your testosterone. And sleep is number one. I mean, sleep is king. If you, if you want to maintain lean muscle mass, uh, Dr. Matt Walker has his book, Why We Sleep. And in there, he talks about uh, both your, for women and men, your gonads, so women's ovaries and men's testes shrink with less than seven hours of sleep a night. Your muscles atrophy. Um, if you want to not recover from exercise, don't sleep you know, be a warrior and don't sleep, right? <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I want to focus on that. When you said be a warrior and don't sleep. And so in the society that we live in, and I get it, you know, I was, you know, I, I had young children in my 30s, um, building my business, um, just finished my PhD. You know, your, your career is on a huge trajectory um, and you know, traveling all the time on airplanes and so on and so forth. And people wear it as a badge of honor. I got four hours of sleep last night. I'm not impressed. That's not, that's not mm. impressive to me. And usually, here's what I've seen. And these are, just, these are just honest topics. I can look at a person and see what kind of sleep they get just by the shape of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, if you're shaped like an apple or a pear, <laughs> you're probably not getting adequate sleep because all your sleep affects your testosterone. Now you're going to affect your lethargy. So you're not going to work out as much. You're not going to eat right. You're not, it's all connected like you were talking about as a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor. And I, I, you know, I wanted to get back to 
also some of the things that the, the symptoms that people see that when they come to you, because you know, as well as I do, the people that come to you are only the ones, oh, it's a minority of people. The rest of them just do this, this, mm -hmm. and they just, they hide from it. And what was happened, I think, is you talked about, well, some people say we've lost some muscle mass over the last couple of years, right? Well, that's great. But you really don't know if you're not working optimally. And if you don't see somebody like Dr. Sam, you don't know what your libido is supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. You don't know what your sexual health is supposed to be like. You don't know what healthy is. You have normalized sickness. And that's what we've done in this country is we have normalized sickness. Like we just say, oh, I'm just getting old. That's why I have aches and pains. I can tell you this. I'm 50. My knees don't ache. My elbows don't ache. Nothing on me aches. I probably ached more when I was in my 20s. That mm -hmm. doesn't, getting old does not have to be that we're decrepit and we're going to be on you know, these chronic medications the rest of our lives and we, and we have chronic disease. So just because you don't see some of the symptoms or you think you don't that Dr. Sam is talking about, you probably don't know what healthy is. So for the same price that you can have for your, for your $1,500 iPhone and a $100 a month plan, you can go see Dr. Sam and get healthy. Don't tell me you can't afford it. Don't tell me you can't afford it. Okay, it's all about choices. So I wanted to say that just to say we've normalized sickness in our country. And it's absolutely, I'm just going to use very strong words. It's disgusting to me. It's disgusting that we can look at individuals and think that they're actually normal and healthy. I've seen precision medicine numbers in the clinic now that they say are normal. And I'm like, no, that's not normal. But right. I'm, my rant is over, Dr. Sam. Now I want you to back all that up with what my philosophy is, which I think we're on the same page. So go on. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely are. And I, I think what that's that normalization of sickness that you're talking about is bled over into the research world. So when um, in 2017, LabCorp, which is one of the, it's the, mo the biggest conventional lab company that I know of in the U.S., they have more locations in the U.S. per square mile than Quest Diagnostics, which is the other big conventional. So yeah, just to, it's that's in my industry, and so yeah. Lab and Quest Diagnostics they they are what they call clinical labs. So when you go get your blood drawn from the doctor, they'll send it to LabCorp, Quest Diagnostics, and they'll say, "Here's what your hormones are. Here's what your blood glucose level is. Here's what your kidney function is. All those kind of things." That's what Dr. Sam is is talking about. So. Now talk about normalization of those numbers. That's probably where you're going, correct? Correct, yeah. So if we're gonna stick on the testosterone topic, and this is happening with all other hormones too, so women's hormones, et cetera, uh, we can talk about women's testosterone labs too in a second. They, LabCorp, uh, after a large endocrinology meeting that was held, said, okay, based on this research in 2017, we're gonna decrease the testosterone range. So prior to 2017, just to round up and make it easier for the listeners to wrap their head around, total testosterone, serum testosterone for a non-obese adult male, which means that your BMI is less than 30. It doesn't mean you're healthy, it just means you're non-obese um, by a BMI reading, which is not also that helpful either. But basically uh, that range went from 350 to 1250, down less than a thousand, so in the 900s total testosterone, to about 265-ish uh, at the bottom of the range. So somebody who was 300 prior to 2017 
was low and after 2017 is now normal, quote unquote normal. It's like it's saying 30%. I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, I, if you want to look at it as a population study within that analysis they did and they said, oh, well, testosterone levels are dropping. And I've seen lab companies because I do a lot of uh, cardiometabolic advanced lab testing through other lab companies that uh, also do routine blood tests too, like Boston Heart and Cleveland Lab are the main two in the country. And um, they're named that because they're near uh, cities and, and they're in Cleveland and uh, near Boston. But basically, those lab companies, if you think about it, they're testing people that are potentially most likely uh, sicker with heart disease and maybe exactly. had a heart attack. Yes. So that serum total testosterone level is from, um, it's below 900. It's around 830 total testosterone to less than 200. So their range is even lower than lab cores. And so how I look at that and and think about it is that these are essentially these lab companies and you know more about this than I do as an analytical chemist is that they're calibrating their lab machines for that that mean or couple standard deviations from the mean yeah, yeah so, that range. I mean it's true hey, um, viewers I see you have some questions online we will get to those we will absolutely they're great questions by the way we'll get to them in just a minute keep going Dr. Sam right on yeah so uh, what we're seeing is the sicker somebody is, the less testosterone they have. And there's research confirming that if, as a male, if your total serum testosterone is 350 or less, that there's increased risk of all-cause mortality, so heart attack and stroke. And basically, you're like a walking time bomb. Your body could just, you know, you're not healthy. So if you, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you have a total testosterone of 350, and ideally, you're looking at free testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, bioavailable testosterone hormones too, and DHT, uh, estradiol, et cetera. Uh, we can talk about that later, but you want to get more comprehensive labs and then just total testosterone because it's not really telling you how your what your body's able to use uh, with free and bioavailable. But basically, we're going to try to um, yeah. skip, skip the science here. Um, so yeah. I want to explain that a little bit. Um, let's see. Free and so you'll have like a free number. Free means how much they're going to measure in your blood, and free means that's that's available for your body to use. Um, that means that, that like how much is available. Whereas sometimes you'll have some that's bound to sexual binding globular hormone. Is that, I, I can't remember the acronym, but it's yeah. right. Isn't that what it is? Yeah, and your body really can't use that, and you do have to have those. I'll be honest. This is how I look at it as a scientist. I think you need that initial baseline. And then after you see kind of how your gonads are working and so on and so forth and how their sexual binding globular hormones are working, then you can probably just go with free. That works for me anyway. But again, talk to your doctor, functional medicine doctor about this. Now, I want to be a big, do a big time out right here. Mm -hmm. I hope medical practitioners, I don't know what to call you if you're conventional, and I, I appreciate and celebrate everybody in the medical field. Okay, hear what he just said. No matter your age, if your testosterone level is 350 or less, there is all kinds of research to say that your health is going to be in negative decline and at risk, period. Now, here's how they usually do testosterone. They say, as you age, it's going to get less and less. Well, does it have to? Maybe not. Maybe not. 
Okay. And so uh, again, think about that. If your levels are less than three, because here's what they say, Dr. Sam, what are they calling the normal levels for a 60 year old male that's in ideal body weight? What are they calling normal levels at this point? Well, anything that's in range. So uh, one analogy that a Harvard Harvard urologist, uh, Dr. Abraham Morgan Taylor, he's an MD urologist in Boston, is he said um, a while back now that it's like going to the eye doctor and saying that you're almost blind or that you have 20-20 vision. That's what that range is like saying in, in from a scientific medical point of view. So, <laughs> right. you know. Well, that, you that's questions we have from a viewer right now is yeah. they said, why is there such a large range of normal to aided 900 is what I was told. And I agree. You are correct. Um, viewer and listener, you are correct online. Thanks for the comment. You are in the normal range of 280 to 900 is normal. But did you just hear what Dr. Sam said? It's like going to the, the eye doctor and you're either blind or you have 20, 20 vision. That number is so skewed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So can you explain that to the viewer? Why is there such a large range of normal? I don't, honestly, I don't really understand it either. I don't um, either. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I don't I mean, either. Yeah. I, mean, so I, so, I, think it's, I think it's chemistry. I mean, I think maybe you could explain it to them better than I could. But from what I understand, if you take a million people and you get all these different lab results on a graph, right? Uh, with their their age, you know how how much testosterone they have. They're all men. They're all they all fit into the 19 to 39 year old category, less than 30 BMI, and they're in that normal range. They're normal. And what I usually say to patients is, normal is a setting on a washing machine. None of us want to be normal. We want to be optimal. And there's optimal numbers that I have basically memorized and uh, studied through various sources and. Uh, when I started out, I was working in one of these so-called low T clinics in the greater Seattle area, Western Washington, uh, all the way uh, Federal Way, Bellevue, Linwood, Seattle. And I would travel from Linwood to Federal Way, which is really fun. But basically, um, <laughs> so basically, I, we saw every day, we saw 15 to 30 patient contacts and we had four clinics. So we would compare data between all of us different doctors. And we figured out a lot of things that aren't in books. And doing that for a whole year, you have thousands of blood tests. You have hundreds and hundreds of patient contacts. So we figure, figured out a lot of things clinically in that year of doing that that have stayed with me that I don't find in any books. So uh, a lot of this, just for the listeners, a lot of this is about with hormones, after you get, start getting your hormones optimized, it's how you feel. So even if you're, let's yeah. say a guy goes to see a, a low T clinic near him, wherever he's listening from, and he gets on testosterone therapy and his testosterone is coming up, but it's not still not that high. Maybe it's 550 or something total T and, and their free testosterone isn't even optimized. And they're kind of like, I, I don't really feel good. It's about how you feel. So if you, if your your symptomology, the the reason why you came in that matches up with low testosterone symptoms like low libido, uh, weaker erections, you don't have to have ED to have low testosterone or even weaker erections or no morning erections. You're fatigued at the end of the day after a regular workday. It's like so fatigued that you don't even go to the gym. That's the kind of the fatigue that I see. 
it's this mental and physical exhaustion, brain fog. You could have uh, basically minor memory issues where you're forgetting people's names, low motivation, maybe even clinical depression. Uh, those are all low T sign symptoms. And usually what I tell people is that you got to get your hormones optimized for you. So we're not chasing some textbook number or some number like on a sheet and saying, oh, and comparing it to your labs and saying, well, you're not quite there yet or, or you're too high, let's bring you down. If you feel good at 1250 testosterone, total testosterone, you're gonna stay at 1250 and we're gonna monitor you and make sure it's safe and effective. If your testosterone's fine at 750 and your free testosterone's you know, 300, which is above the quote unquote normal range, by the way, which is where you want it to be, uh, we're gonna leave you there too and we're gonna continue to monitor your blood and make sure that certain parameters are going well. Um, testosterone therapy, there's some contraindications. They're not very many. I mean, most, you know, I, I've had patients in my, cl and clinically very rarely, but I've seen people that were at sitting at, at rest short of breath. Um, and literally these people before their surgeon would do any surgeries on them for obstructive sleep, um, sleep apnea, where they have to take out their tonsils, they had to get liposuction. So those people are not a candidate for testosterone therapy. So you can be too sick for even testosterone therapy, even if you have 100 total testosterone, there are other things that need to be taken care of first. So th there are true contraindications. And my issue with clinics like the one that I worked at where um, I, I'm kind of similar to um, your brother, Shane, where uh, I, I'm kind of, I'm pretty vocal, like how I know your brother is, he's pretty outspoken like you are. And <laughs> I got, That's I got a compliment, by the way. That's yeah, a compliment, by yeah the way. I think it's a good thing. Um, so basically, uh, I was rubbing up, rubbing, you know, bumping heads with the owners of the clinic, and they wanted me to give testosterone therapy to people who had symptoms of low T. By the way, those symptoms are only 33, 30% chance of having low T. You could have low thyroid, you could have low yeah. adrenal hormones, you could have. Uh, chronic infections like reactivated mono or Lyme disease or other things that are going to mess up your hormones for a long time, maybe the rest of your life. And you probably need maybe testosterone therapy, but you got to take care of that other stuff too. Um, you could have sleep apnea. And if you get on TRT with sleep apnea, that person could die of sleep apnea and it can make it really bad. So you want to be on a CPAP machine, then get on testosterone therapy if it's still needed. I had a guy he had uh, uh, erectile dysfunction, undiagnosed sleep apnea. He got a sleep study. His testosterone total T was around 350. After being on a CPAP machine for a couple of months, we retested his testosterone. Total testosterone was up around 830. So it, so, it, it matters. Hey, viewers, and, viewers and comments, these are great. These comments are coming in. And by the way, for you guys that are commenting, this is not an easy subject to tackle. Um, and I'll just tell you why. Because in our society, um, actually high testosterone has been called toxic. Um, we've been called toxic males. That's why supposedly that's why our society is so bad because of some of these things. And this is false, by the way. And we, I, I could go on for hours and hours. And some people say it causes roid rage. Uh, exactly the opposite. It's actually a mood stabilizer. If you have low T um, and you have erratic moods, Go see your doctor. Go see your functional medicine doctor. They actually, if I'm, am I correct, Dr. Sam? Psychiatrist used to use in the old days testosterone as a mood stabilizer. Is that correct? 
actually haven't heard that, but I think that's awesome if they did. And I think they still should because a lot of guys and women for that matter, they have hormone imbalances and they need actually hormone therapies and it's affecting their brain. Uh, all of your hormones affect your brain, whether you're male or female. And a lot of times we in, in society, it's like, oh, uh, she has PMS or, oh, she has menopause and it's her hormones. But for guys, it's our hormones too. And we often don't think of that. So I think the quote unquote roid rage comes from uh, bodybuilders being on about like five or six different things and not doing even that optimally and then having to cycle on and off of it. And it's just putting them on this hormone roller coaster from hell. It could um, be. I'll give you my perspective on that in just a yeah. minute. I want to. Yeah. Okay. So guys that are commenting. Um, so what's the recommended number? I think it, it, it's how you feel. Now here's, I have a brother who is a compounding pharmacist who um, just educated me on this. Uh, him and I wrote a paper together on testosterone therapy. So when I was, he told me it like, I think I was about 37 um, 37 or 38, he said, go get your testosterone tested. I said, why? He says, it's not going to increase at your age, but now you're going to have a baseline at the age of 37. I probably didn't eat as well as I do now. I didn't have quite the muscle mass, but I still lifted three or four days a week. I still ate really clean. I still had a, a, a good athletic BMI. Um, my testosterone, I think was 900. Okay. And my brothers, he's a twin. He tests his about the same time. He's about 1100. And there's probably error in those measurements. We're twins. We're probably um, identical genetically. I'm not really sure. We've never got the test done, but we look that way. But again, that's our, that's, we weren't overweight. Like, like Dr. Dr. Sam was saying, if you're overweight and you're obese, your testosterone is going to be in the toilet. We'll talk about why maybe that might be in a minute, but go see a functional medicine doctor. And for you people that are getting injections, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I am go, go saying, look up this international journal of compounding, Needham and Needham authors, go look it up. There are negative side effects with injections that we, when we tested our patients, we never found that with the patients we tested when we were putting on a daily cream, period. We didn't see the, the peaks and the valleys, okay? Um, and would you rather take a shot and go get it done by your doctor who, unless you're on some kind of a government program, you're going to have to pay for, or would you rather just do it yourself and take care of your own health? I know I know which one most patients that I know and am around I would choose. So I want to go on that a minute, then we'll get to testosterone. Um, uh, um, uh, roid rage. Cause I, I have some ideas on that. Cause I know some of the background and the politics involved in that. So, um, remember what Dr. Sam said, Dr. Sam said he was in a low T clinic and they were testing people's testosterone. Okay. Here's the bottom line. Majority of people that like me, that might have higher testosterone levels. We don't go to the doctor. Our numbers aren't even in the database. So the numbers that are in the database are these low T individuals. And he just talked about, they keep lowering the normal and decreasing the normal because why? Because more and more our population is overweight. More of them are obese. More of them eat junk food diets. More of them, they're around glyphosates. More of them around BPAs, plastics. We'll talk about some of those kind of things. And um, so make sure that you know what your level is and know your history. I know some of these guys who are commenting, were you a wrestler? Probably had high testosterone, probably had a lot of lean body mass. You probably had a high testosterone level at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. 
Okay. So, but if you're in your mid thirties or even your early forties, go get a baseline ASAP and then go by how you feel. That's what normal is. And that's how we used to treat people. We didn't have the analytical instruments like I have in my lab to test people. We would give them something, a plant or something. How do you feel? Oh, better. You give them more. How do you feel? Oh, sick. So you take some of it away. That's really how a functional medicine doctor is going to work. So I want to go on about roid rage. I don't know if you knew this. Hopefully we can learn together. So um, because of our political organizations and our wise senators who always make such good decisions for all of us, whether it be with um, COVID mask mandates and legislation or making steroids a, let's see, testosterone. Is it a class one felony now? Right. It's a, it's a yeah. class one drug. That, that's kind of like heroin, which is just bizarre to me. A, a hormone that we have in our bodies is classified by our government as bad as heroin. Here's a story on that. Um, there was a kid in the early nineties that he went on steroids. Don't get me wrong. Probably not a good idea at the age of 18 or 19. He was, he was actually 18. He was a senior in high school. He was playing football in Texas and his, his performance went up. Okay. I don't think he should have been on, on, on it. Right. I think there were some other issues at home, um, that probably didn't have a home, a stable life either. I think it also stabilized some of his mood swings. Right. Yeah. So here's what happened. The school found out about it. Um, his parents found out about it. They made him go off of it. He went into a deep, deep depression. Oh, yeah. And he started to get erratic behavior. So they put him on anti, um, they put him on um, SSRIs, um, antidepressants, basically. Yeah. He killed himself a week later. That's horrible. That's yeah. where I think some of the story comes from. And then uh, because of that, he got labeled as roid rage and, oh, testosterone caused suicides. No, no. Look at all the other variables that were involved. I don't know what causes suicide and it is tragic, but I don't think you should blame testosterone. That's something that our body makes. I just don't think you should blame it. So there's, I agree. so yeah. anyway, I, and, and, and you are correct about bodybuilders who are jacked up on five or six different things. I also think Dr. Sam, um, and they probably have to do that at that level. Sometimes they have a lot of psychological issues going on. Sure. Like, like yeah. anybody who's intense like that. So yeah. anyway, that's my, that's my case. So I, I go back to our T levels because we have some comments on here that I'm, that I'm watching. And you, you talked about obesity, how it affects it. What affects T levels? Obesity, um, movement, eating. Uh, talk about all of that. Yeah, so we already talked about sleep. That's a really big one. Uh, toxins are something that I post a lot on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, you can follow me there. Uh, doctor spelled out Sam Madeira. And um, there's a great book that just came out. And there's, a, there's two books I would recommend about toxins and hormones. One is called Estrogeneration by Dr. Anthony Jay, a PhD biochemist. He also works at the Mayo Clinic now. He does a lot of genetics stuff. Uh, there and clinically. Uh, he is awesome. He came out with his book in 2017. More recently, uh, there's a new book called Countdown, two words, Countdown by Dr. Swan, PhD. She's a reproductive epidemiologist at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And I think she also teaches as a professor or something, but she was on Joe Rogan's podcast recently, which a lot of That's people good. like to watch. 
Yeah. So I would watch that episode. The, the countdown Twitter. book, from what I understand, is basically how um, our our hormone levels are a ticking time bomb for our own society. Is that correct? It's a count. It's counting down at this point. Yeah. So since 1950, uh, post World War II, um, my um, I have I have chemists in my family too. So uh, my grandfather was a PhD chemical engineer as well, and and similar kind of to your profession, maybe a little different with analytical chemistry, but uh, with the the better living through chemistry generation post World War II, uh, a lot of things in plastics started around that time. Everybody wanted everything in plastic and a, you know Tupperware and stuff like that. Just all that stuff skyrocketed. So we went from hardly any of that before 1950 to after that. Over the next last 70 years, we've seen male sperm counts drop 50 to 60 percent, depending on when you put the the date start from when you analyze male sperm uh, from around 1950 or 1960s. So it's bad. Uh, basically, it's bad news. Uh, it's not happy news. What we're looking at is by 1945 is what Dr. Swan says in her book uh, from her and her colleagues' research is that there will be no fertile men, period, on the face of the planet after 1945. Maybe so 20, 2045, you mean? Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. 2045. <laughs> So right. uh, some people would say 2050, 2045. So, you know, less than 30 that's years from now. So that's interesting. So she's saying in all of society, not just the United States. Yeah, the whole planet. There's really bad uh, male fertility already in countries in Asia, like Korea, um, South Korea, Japan. They're actually, um, I think on the Joe Rogan podcast, she talks about there's the governments in Asia, and these countries in Asia are paying people who are able to have kids to basically put them up in a, a condo and pay for them to reproduce because all developed nations ac around the world are not replacing their current populations. So while you may have overpopulation in uh, LA, New York City, uh, Seattle, you know, Miami, et cetera, these bigger cities and towns, San Francisco, you know, you see the urban sprawl in Phoenix and in the Southwest. The, there's not actual overpopulation like a lot of the propaganda around uh, global warming is saying for the last, you know, 50 plus years uh, from the 1960s where they're saying, hey, we have a population problem. Well, we did have a boom in population with the baby boomer generation, which is my parents' generation. And, and there has been you know, population growth. But what Dr. Swan's saying is that we're not going to actually, re we're not going to hit above 8 billion people. We're approaching, you know, we're getting closer to 8 billion people. We're over 7 billion now as a, as a human race on the planet Earth. But we're not going to go above 8 billion. Like a lot of people think we're just going to keep going and going and going because we're not able to reproduce. Wow. Because of the toxins. It's, kind of, it's evolution's protection mechanism against a unhealthy society. Yeah, so when you have uh, phthalates and you have uh, phthalates are in plastics. Yep, all the so there's like the hard plastics, and as a chemist, you'd know better than me the soft plastics, and then there's um, all these estrogenic toxins, which Anthony J talks about in his book Estrogeneration, like sunscreens. Uh, you see people in the summer spraying their kids down from head, literally in their face to their toes with this toxic sunscreen. So a lot of this 
you can control as an individual by going to environmentalworkinggroup.org, ewg.org, and downloading their cleaner living app. And essentially, it's being just as clean as possible in a toxic world. So, you know, if you uh, live next to big agricultural uh, fields where, you know, they're growing uh, cash crops, you know, big monocropping, then you want to protect yourself even more. They showed that the men in these communities, you know, like in the Midwest and, you know, Iowa, even Eastern Washington, where they're spraying. And, you know, I've had, I have friends that used to live in uh, Ellensburg, Washington. And Ellensburg, uh, even in his groundwater, he was saying if he wanted to grow an organic uh, vegetable garden in his backyard, the water that he would pull out of the hose would already be uh, contaminated with Roundup just because the whole town is tapped into the kind of this big uh, water line of uh, Roundup ready uh, for the cornfields and wheat, et cetera. And, and they even spray Roundup on um, barley, wheat, and hops. So if you're a beer drinker and you like IPAs, they spray on hops before they harvest to dry out the hops. So hops is, uh, I'm an herbalist too. It's a sedative herb. Um, it's not just a calming herb. It's, it's actually a true sedative. And it's in the same plant family botanically as marijuana. So it's estrogenic and it's great if you want to go to sleep or if you want to just relax which is why a lot of guys like IPAs, you know, they want to have one beer, cold beer or warm beer, if they like that. So that's interesting. So, so many things, whether it be um, plastics, um, weed sprays, sunscreen, and, you know, and obviously, you know, there's a, oh, there's a term, I'm not going to use the correct term, so I'm just going to try to describe it, but it's like, how, how far do you go on this? And believe me, I get it, okay? I do filter my water. I do try not to use, I threw away all my plastic Tupperwares now, or I made sure I used BPA free. Does that really matter? They're still plastic. Yes. So I get it. And convenience is still a big thing. I eat super, super clean. That's the number one thing. Obviously the more processed foods that you eat, the, especially from mono, mono, mono cropping again, mono cropping means one crop mono, and it means wheat or barley and you're making a ton of it and then you're why do you do that so then we can feed massive amounts of populations and just think about it it's in your crackers it's in your breads it's in it's in everything i just don't eat that stuff so mm -hmm. that's a but yeah i recently just had a, a water filter installed under my sink to make sure that i filtered my my, my, my water um and so you got to decide what's best for you and start with the big things first eat well move get your head in the right place with good relationships, get some sleep, and then start thinking about all these other things, um, I think, at a later time. So let's talk more about testosterone therapy and this crisis that that our, obviously our society, our world is actually in. And so whether we think about tackling the problems of global warming, climate change, all these things that we hear of in the media, if we don't have a society to reproduce, we can't tackle any of these problems. No economic challenges, green issues, nothing. If we don't have if we don't have our health, we're not going to have anything. Okay. And if we can't reproduce society, obviously we can't solve our own problems. So let's talk about testosterone therapy and some of the controversial topics. Testosterone, sure. testosterone therapy causes cancer. Testosterone therapy causes prostate cancer. Testosterone therapy causes testicular cancer. 
testosterone therapy and hormone therapy causes um, in women breast cancer. Keep in mind, Dr. Sam talked about this. Um, we might talk about it on a later podcast. I could go on and on about this stuff because it's so fascinating to me. But women need testosterone too. They just need a lot less than men. Okay. Um, so what about all these, this, this, this hormonal treatment causing cancers? I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So the research actually shows that it doesn't cause cancer. Uh, there's a great book by a PhD. I believe he's a medical school professor in Chicago area. And his name, is, last name is Friedman. And it's called the new testosterone therapy. And I think it came out around 2010. And he has a model for preventing. Uh, Put that in our, in our list to, for people to read on the notes. Yeah. Great book. Everybody should read it. Even if you're female. Because prostate cancer is the most common, after skin cancer, the most common cancer that men get. Uh, usually it doesn't kill men. Uh, most men die from heart disease or, or stroke, and uh, they die with prostate cancer. So even if they're getting treatment or not getting treatment, um, Dr. Morgan Taylor, who I already mentioned is a urologist, who I think he went to Harvard and now teaches there, and he has a clinic in the Boston area. And he, he's written about this in, um, in different areas and published about it. So you can look at him on PubMed. And he basically says that there's no research to support this. He, since he's a urologist, he biopsied uh, men's prostates and then tested their free uh, testosterone and estradiol ratio. And he said that the ratio was off. So free testosterone was too low and estradiol was too high and they had prostate cancer. So aromatase is the enzyme that's going to convert that testosterone to estradiol. There's genetics that do that because all of your enzymes are made by proteins, amino acid chains, and then they, they're this big biochemical, uh, basically it looks like a ribbon thing that basically gets mixed up and changed around and conformed in different ways. So uh, essentially the enzyme, uh, just to keep it simple for the listeners, is informed by your environment. So all those toxin things I talked about, anything uh, like hops or uh, stress can increase aromatase. Inflammation and actually insulin resistance are the biggest things in metabolic syndrome and being overweight for risk for cancer. This is confirmed by uh, oncologists. So uh, leading oncologists, if you're not smoking and you're overweight, it's basically the same as smoking cigarettes every day for your cancer risk. And uh, if you're not testing your fasting insulin in your, in your body, uh, fasting insulin is more important than a basic lipid panel, which the, uh, you, you can back this up. But I believe what I was told is by a cardiologist is the basic lipid panel technology is from around mid-70s uh, as far as like analysis in the lab and a, a basic TSH and T4 thyroid lab test for thyroid hormones is from the 1950s. So... Uh, being in Seattle for 15 years, you know, it's a, a tech heavy city. A lot of my clients are really into data and tech. So I usually tell them, do you use a computer in your home office now that everyone's working from home that's from the 1970s or the 1950s? And is your cell phone, are you using a, a pay phone or, or using a cell phone? Okay, so let's get the best technology for your blood tests too and your other lab tests so that we can optimize your health. Uh, I don't yeah. It's interesting. Again, analytical chemistry, that's my area. I love it. I speak about it all around the world and develop instruments and, and how to how to test these numbers and so on and so forth. And 
and these hormones and stuff. And, and I think about analytical chemistry and the history of it. And I, I want to say, you know, everybody's heard of a blood glucose meter. Everybody's heard of testing your blood glucose, right? And we've been doing that since, oh, the 40s, actually, either what urine or blood or something like that. There's a great history on that, too, and why we have handheld modules now. But why do we test things? I'll tell you why. As an analytical chemist, because we can. That's why. And so what Dr. Sam just described there was it was possible to test TSH and T3 and T4 and thyroid in the 40s. Then we made it possible to test some of the lipid panels in the 50s and 60s or 70s, whenever it was, right? Mm. And it was, how, how long has an insulin test been out? I don't know, not very long. I mean, 20 years, 10 years? And it's been a more popular and insulin's more, insulin's more important than actually a blood glucose number. My point is, don't chase these numbers. Do not chase these numbers. These numbers, we call it precision medicine in my industry. We want to know how you feel. They're going to give you a baseline. And yeah, hey, in the society we live in, your doctor's going to order more tests. You know why? Because they think your insurance will pay for it or somebody else is going to pay for it. Well, I self-pay for my health care. That's how I want it. I get better, I get better service and better value that way. Okay. And so I don't chase numbers. Do I test some of these things? Absolutely. And then scientifically, I sit down with my doctor and my functional doctor and so on and so forth, and I discuss them. But insulin's way better to test than your blood glucose numbers. Way better. And so talk about insulin sensitivity and obesity and how you think that affects testosterone levels. I'm I don't know, and I don't know if we know, but I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so there's uh, quite a bit of research that started coming out around 2012, fairly recent, and since then showing that prediabetes and diabetes cause low testosterone and that testosterone therapy should be investigated as a treatment for diabetics with their other metformin or whatever they're on. So uh, that that's and in and, and medical research, that's pretty recent for the listeners. Um, very interesting, actually. Yeah. And um, if you think about prostate cancer, if you have a, a first degree uh, family member, father, uncle, brother that had prostate cancer and you're concerned about it, what we're talking about here with insulin resistance is, so let's say you eat breakfast and your body gets the glucose from the food you ate eventually. It has to go through all these steps. And then you have all this glucose in your blood. It's not in your cells in your body yet. It's actually in, in the outside of the cells. So your body biochemically has to get it into the cell. And that's what insulin does to oversimplify. But if you have insulin resistance, the way I like to describe it, it's like me yelling at somebody across a football field. And they're like, what are you saying? Like, I can't hear you. What did you say? Uh, they can't hear the insulin. So the insulin is actually not docking on the cell receptor or there's something going on there. There's a chronic inflammation, um, metabolic syndrome, prediabetes and diabetes. There's a lot of inflammation locally in the Leydig cells of the testes as well. There's research papers on this that talk about this. And that's directly inhibiting testosterone synthesis at the testes cellular level too. So it's damaging the process of cell synthesis of testosterone, but it's also causing other issues that cause symptoms of like fatigue um, and, and low energy because you're actually not able to get cellular energy into the cell to be used by the mitochondria to make ATP and all that good stuff. But 
um, that there's a lot of connections there. So basically to simplify high insulin, not good. If you have a high fasting insulin, even if it's high normal, I like to see it around four to six, depending on what lab you're looking at is like an A plus result for fasting insulin. If it's above 12, if it's like 12 and above and someone has signs and symptoms of insulin resistance and they have maybe uh, genetics for diabetes, like diabetes in their family where there's a propensity towards that uh, metabolic syndrome. I mean, metabolic syndrome is rampant right now. Over 73% from the CDC's data from 2018 said that uh, most people in the US are, are overweight and or obese. The, all those people have some form of metabolic syndrome. And going back to the 60s, there is a, a researcher that won a, a medical prize, a, like Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine, talking about his theory from his research around the connection connection between cancers and and metabolic syndrome, essentially. So wow. that's that's old information. Exactly. That's it's great information too. Something yeah. that's hidden away. It really, really is because I think um, cancer is still. I don't know what the actual number is, but it's majority of it is environmental factors. And that includes if you are overweight. And so when we, when somebody talks about metabolic disorders, I, gosh, the coach in me is going to say this, okay. Metabolic disorders does not mean that you have a genetic reason to be overweight. Okay. There absolutely are some issues. You can have low thyroid. You can have all these other issues. You can have a lot of times it's right here. It's right here. And you have some emotional, some childhood traumas, whatever it is, some emotional and some mental things going on. And it, then it, then you overeat, okay? But all these pre-diabetes, insulin resistance, all these things, what metabolic disorders, these are all treatable and reversible. And usually they're reversible by just losing weight. Is that correct? Like getting more lean body mass and less body fat. Is that true, Dr. Sam? I agree 100%. And I, I would add in that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today, you can just after listening today, you can start sleeping better. You can, if you think you have sleep apnea, get a sleep study from your primary care doctor, get it ordered and go to a sleep clinic. Because if you have sleep apnea and you lose 25 pounds or 30 pounds, you could reverse that sleep apnea too. And then you don't have to wear this mask on your face, which everybody hates that I talk to. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we start winding this up, this is just awesome. So I want to, what three things would you tell people that you can do without even visiting your doctor to improve your testosterone? What was it? Three things. So the first thing we talked about was sleep. Uh, you want to aim for seven plus hours of tracked sleep, not time in bed. Most people report their sleep as time in bed. So if you're in bed for eight hours, you could be sleeping only six hours, which is still not optimal. Um, so let me time out here because yeah. I, I, I want to talk about my personal story, okay, yeah. where I used to, in just my previous life, it wasn't nearly as healthy. You know, you're talking, I was going to bed at midnight, waking up at, and then getting out of bed like at seven, okay, um, actual sleep, six and a half hours maybe, right? I mean, I'm in bed by 8 p.m. now, and I'm in bed for probably 10 hours. But I look at my sleep ring, and I'm only getting about eight hours of sleep. You know, of course, I got to get up and go to the bathroom. I stay very hydrated, all those kind of things. And so you, it doesn't mean you're in bed for eight hours. I want to be clear. You're not in bed for eight hours. And put that screen away. 
Read those books, get rid of that blue light, put that screen away. And that last hour should be no screens. You know, if you have a partner, you're talking or you're reading or whatever you're doing, but you're really calming down. So sleep, there's number one. What else can you do? I would get rid of plastic water bottles, any plastic containers don't Ideally, you're not even using a microwave in my boat and my and the way I like things. But if you do use a microwave, don't microwave it in a plastic container. Then you're leaching that plastic into your food and eating in, into your food. Uh, try not to buy things that are in plastic. It's very hard, but do your best. Uh, there's some plastics that are hard that are fine. So you should just go to Dr. Swan's book, Countdown, and figure that out. Um, so I would say plastics. Like get those out of your house. Uh, the next one would be exercise. So if you exercise more, you're going to sleep better. You're going to have more lean muscle mass, uh, better bone mineral density, better hormones. Uh, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel more confident. You're going to, uh, it's a great treatment for depression. If you have a propensity either genetically or otherwise for depression, uh, exercise. So exercise would be number three. How many did you want? Three guys. That's great. Okay. But if you've got more, right. keep going. I All mean, right. what what can be that's exercise, plastics, um, and and um not just resistance training, but any kind of exercise and then good sleep. So obviously, what about a, a quick recommendation for for diets? I mean, obviously, you said more lean body mass. So Orlean body mass is usually by having a whole high protein, higher protein diet, getting your protein in. Was that true? Yeah, so I've looked into diet for testosterone. There's really not a lot of literature out there, but the two diets that they did show in younger, healthier men who are, you know, 22, 21 years old, they're weight training. Uh, one was a ketogenic diet, which can be hard to do long term. So I usually recommend if you want to do keto, is your base is kind of like a paleo Mediterranean diet. So you're eating meat and vegetables essentially, or meats and vegetables. And then uh, no grains or very low grains and low carb and high protein. If you want to keep on lean muscle mass, you need to eat optimal protein. And that's not the RDA of protein. That's just to keep you alive. There's optimal levels of vitamins and macronutrients and micronutrients. And then there's the RDA, which is, oh, this person is living and breathing. Which yeah, we're don't, don't follow the, US, the USDA or the RDA food pyramids. Put that on its, yeah. on its head and do the opposite. I mean. In general, yeah. yeah. So eating, eating matters too. I mean, this is this yeah. is good information. So, okay, I, I want to get to first of all, I want to give you guys a teaser about men's health, and something else that I saw from Dr. Sam, and is is some of his research on, and these are controversial topics. They're difficult to discuss. Um, I am thankful for some pastors and other people who are discussing this now, but it's actually pornography in our society and how that affects your health. And so we're going to be talking about that in part two series and oh man, what it does to you and all the, all the negative side effects it gets to you and anybody can make justifications for it. But I'm just saying from the CAT scans, did you guys show CAT scans and some of that data from what's happening yeah. in your, in your brain when you're doing that? It is not good for you. So we're going to talk about that and some other men's health issues um, coming up. So my last two questions, I always like to say, certainly you've had in, in your life, you've had trials and tribulations. You've had lots of successes. And I always like to ask my, my listener or my guests two of the last questions. The, last, the second to last one is this, is what in your life did you 
when you look back on it, you felt like at the time it was a failure or other people thought it might've been a failure, but you look on, look back on it and it was one of the most important, um, successful trajectories of your life that you can think of. Give me an example. Yeah, I think if I look at more of my youth, I would say that in high school, I switched high schools and that was my, I was very close to my grandfather who I was talking about earlier, who was a, a chemist too. And he was an engineer and he was like, you should stay in that high school. It's a really good school. And I left and I went to a smaller high school and I really excelled and I, you know, I was elected like student judge and I actually graduated early and we did a senior project in emergency medicine and just did very well. And I mean, that's, I basically graduated as an EMT in a wilderness first responder and finished wow. high school early. So I went from uh, barely, you know, struggling out of school where I didn't really like a lot of things and the, the culture, I would say of the school to just excelling and then that being a platform for my success today and that that was a while ago now um, but at, at the time i felt like a failure i felt like advocating for myself uh was challenging as a teenager and i think that a lot of teenage I, I think it's really cool you're a coach because a lot of teenagers need people in their life that aren't their parents to say hey i i know you well enough to yeah. say this is the right thing for you. And I had people around me that were concerned and they said, hey, you know, I don't think this is the place for you and there's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you got you don't fit here and there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to go to a place that's more your, kind of, more your style. So um, I think that was really helpful for me. And then looking back today, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like why, why did I think I would even belong there? You know, it's just a, it was a very good school but it wasn't my thing. Um, I, I think as an entrepreneur, I, I mean, I started my clinic six years ago, uh, direct pay uh, clinic model in Seattle where all of my colleagues take insurance and it's definitely been challenging to say the least. And I just stuck, stuck to my guns. Um, there are uh, a couple of car accidents that were uh, less than ideal outcomes for uh, concussions. And one of them wasn't even diagnosed until a year later. And that was very, very hard because I almost had to close my clinic down summer 2018, a uh, really bad concussion. I learned a lot about recovering from concussions. So now I can help my patients. And so I, we can talk about that more later, but basically, uh, I had to, you know, be very strong through that because I literally couldn't even look at a computer screen for about two months and I had headaches every day for four months, not just like, oh, I have a little headache. And I never took ibuprofen, never took any pain medication uh, besides like a muscle relaxer to sleep and then I stopped taking that. So, I mean, I was getting like acupuncture in my scalp and all kinds of stuff. So long story short, I had to kind of power through that and just say, okay, I'm gonna do whatever I can to get as healthy as possible after this head injury. and. Also, so like one of my missions now is to help people not normalize concussions, uh, even from a young age, because as, as I grew up playing sports and I, I played lacrosse on the East Coast where it's really popular and I, I probably had concussions then. I probably had concussions growing up with two brothers. And back then in the 80s and 90s, the, people are just like, oh, can do you know who you are? Do you know where you are? Can you see three fingers? Okay, get up. Let's go. 
And that's actually not the best thing. And, and there's, uh, it's not just like five, 10 days and get back to it. So uh, basically that, that has shaped me as a clinician. I look at every health problem I've had as a person to form me as a better clinician and use that as like a, a brick in the wall to be a better doctor for my patients. That's awesome. Well, my last question was describe the never be outworked mindset. I think you just described it. That's, that's really incredible. And congratulations to you. That is not easy being an entrepreneur. It is not easy going out on your own. It is not easy going against the grain of the rest of society of doing the uh, traditional clinical medicine, traditional insurance, traditional government programs of Medicare and Medicaid. And not only that, but obviously you have very I don't, I don't like the word traditional versus non-traditional because in theory, I actually think you're a traditional doctor. I think historically we've had more of you than we've had of the doctors of the last 50 years. And so uh, about how do you feel? Here's how we're going to treat you. How do you feel? Now, how do you feel? They, I mean, I don't go into many doctors anymore and they say, how do you feel? They look at your lab numbers and say, you're normal. Never ask you how you feel. Never look at you. And so what kudos to you. Congratulations. And thanks for making it possible for people to get healthy and think about a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, keep posting this on social media. Not only, I, I know I don't follow it, but I've loved the engagement today and the people that are actually being really vulnerable. Men's health is something I want to talk more about. And we'll follow up in, a, in, a, in, the, in the next part of our series, because I think a lot of men um, because of how we're wired and because of how society kind of views men. And I'm, I'm just being mm -hmm. honest at this point. I'm not being sexist. It's that we can't say we're vulnerable. We can't talk about men's health issues. We can't, we have to talk about everybody, others health, health issues. And we're just so strong that we don't have any issues. Well, we do. And we need to think about them because you need, you need males and females to reproduce in society and according to some books and some literature we talked about today, that might not be happening if we continue on this on the same trajectory. Dr. Sam, you're an amazing guest. I can't wait to have you on again. So I want to close with, again, thanking my sponsors, thanking my viewers, thanking my listeners. Thank you very much. Go find me on LinkedIn. Go find me on Instagram. Go find me on YouTube. Go find me on SoundCloud. Um, find me on anywhere that I, I have like channels on all of those podcast all those podcast medias. Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, follow me, follow Dr. Sam. Apollo Health Clinic is 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 his gig. Is it ApolloHealthClinic.com is your website? Correct. Yeah. Excellent. So go visit his website. Go visit him. He does virtual doctor's appointments and appointments all around the nation. You do not have to go see him in person. And by the way, that is 2021 medicine. Okay. We've seen that during COVID. He's been doing it for years now. He was part of the, the, the leading people of doing virtual medicine. And so kudos to him. Also visit my website at drsneedham.com to learn more about me and more about our podcast and so on and so forth. And, and stay tuned for more upcoming great news and a, another podcast with Dr. Sam. Dr. Sam, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We will talk soon.